0: Good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Hope you're doing well this morning. It is so good. Woo, awesome. Why don't we do that again so they can hear you online. Good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. This is a robust crowd. Wow. Proud of you guys. Thank you all. They're very happy to be here. And we are happy that you guys are here. And thanks to those of you who are joining online. Thanks so much. Welcome for uh, joining online to Hilton Head Island Community Church. We have a great day planned, and I wanna begin uh, by introducing you to someone who needs no introduction because she's been here for three years. This is Chris McBride, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Chris, um, Chris has served uh, as our, essentially our group's director for the past, what, three? Three years and done an amazing job. And I know know what you guys are thinking right now. She's leaving. She's not leaving. She's she's not leaving. Not going anywhere. Uh, Actually, today is Chris's ordination. And uh, we're going to (laughs) ordinate. Absolutely. We are celebrating um, her ordination into full-time Christian ministry. And um, over the past couple months, we've actually ordained two of our staff members, Justin Um, last month, I believe, and uh, our student pastor, our next generation pastor, and uh, Chris. And so Chris uh, is our women's pastor. She has served as our uh, group's director these past few years, but um, today we are ordaining her into full-time Christian service. And she's been doing it a while. yeah, this how many is a years? Long time coming, how many years have you been in in church work ministry? Fifteen. Yeah. Fifteen years, yes. So after fifteen years, we figured that she probably is a candidate for ordination. <laughs> so anyway, um, she has done an amazing job, and I know we'll continue to do an amazing job uh, with our adults and with discipleship. And I'll be introducing you to someone else who's going to be coming alongside of her to help out with that. But um, Chris, uh, ordination is a Uh, is a special thing. I remember when I uh, was called in the ministry at 16 years old and um, we talked about how uh, people who are called into full-time Christian service are marked by God to do a work. Cynthia was the same way when she was a teenager, um, and many of us have gone through that, that process. And so you've walked through the process of being ordained. And so we are so glad and proud and privileged to have you and Dave, your husband Dave, and Amanda and Kelly here on stage um, for, for this special day. Um, thank you so much for your service to the Lord. Thank you for your work in God's kingdom. Um, And we as a church want to present you with your ordination certificate, which is right here. See, it even has your name on it. (laughs) And um, I want to hand you this um, and present you with that. And thank you so much for all the work that you've done. And I want to pray for you right now. Ordination is something that uh, people walk through when they feel like God is calling them to full-time vocational service. And of course, after 15 years of doing that, um, she talked to us about this about a year ago. And uh, we're just so excited uh, to be able to do this and to be privileged to do that. (laughs) We don't have jackets, but we have have certificates that you can hang on your wall. So (laughs) Um, So why don't you uh, join me, Hilton Head Island Community Church, whether you're home or whether you're here. And I'm just going to ask you if you would stand up this morning if you're here and reach out your hand in support of Chris and, of course, Dave and Amanda and Kelly. And, Dave, I just want to thank you, man. Uh, Dave has done so many things behind the scenes, not only to support Chris, but to support Hilton Head Island Community Church. And, man, thank you for your service as well. But, Chris, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you right now. And Father, I thank you so much for Chris. And God, I thank you so much for the ministry that she has. And Father, your word in Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. And Father, I thank you for Chris that she has been called into full-time vocational service for you. And Father, while we all are ministers and while we all have jobs to do here on our time on earth, God, you've called her for a special purpose and for a special reason. And God, I thank you for the work that she's done at churches in the past, one in Delaware, one in Charlotte, God, and now here over these last three to four years, leading our groups ministry, growing our groups ministry, helping out in so many ways with women's ministry and women's events and women's groups. And Father, I pray as our women's pastor that you would lead her and guide her. And Father, I pray that you would go before her and protect her. God, I thank you for Dave, and I thank you for Kelly and Amanda. And Father, I pray your blessing on her future ministry. God, we just give you Chris, and we thank you that you have given her to this church. Her blessing, Father, your blessing be over her life. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said amen. 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 Chris congratulations we're so thankful (laughs) yes we did a little chicken dance there all right you guys can be seated you can be seated this morning I'm gonna ask Matt and Liz to come up on stage here this morning Uh, this is really a an amazing I think uh, move of God Uh, many of you know that uh, over the past few months uh, really all during our quarantine and coronavirus we have been searching for a kids pastor right uh, so uh, we've had amazing um, kids ministry directors over the years. Uh, most recently, Andrea uh, um, and uh, um, uh, Justin, of course, being our next-gen pastor. But they had, a little, they had another little one, their third little baby. And so uh, we've been searching for a kids pastor. And so we've been uh, working with a, a group. Uh, in searching for our kids director, and we did some in-depth interviews. And in one of those interviews, um, we said, "Boy, uh, this this particular candidate um, is a great candidate, just not for the kids director." And uh, so uh, we uh, really prayed through uh, the idea of hiring um, this guy who we interviewed uh, to be our connections pastor. And today. Uh, Hilton Head Island Community Church, I want to introduce you to Matt and Liz Seidel. And Matt is gonna be coming on board as our connections director. And this is something that has been kind of on the back burner for us for a long time. Uh, The old school word for this is assimilation, all right? So that's such a weird word, I think. But uh, anyway, that's what it is. Uh, But it's really connecting uh, our adults in groups and in ministry and overseeing our discipleship area and overseeing our connections from, really from everything that happens from our service on through the rest of the six days. And so he's gonna be in charge really of overseeing that whole process. And uh, it was just one of those moments where we as a leadership team said, you know, God has brought us to a man who has great experience in this area. He's gonna talk more about that in just a minute. Uh, but we felt like we needed to, to do everything that we could to get him on board. And already, he's not even on, on staff yet. He starts September one, um, but already um, he has given us such uh, great wisdom. And he has an intuition and a discernment and wisdom Uh, about the discipleship process. And Matt, I want to say, welcome to the team, man. And we're glad to have you on board. I'm going to have him talk here in a few moments. But um, Chris, actually, this is the really cool part. Chris approached me after we had already begun the interview process. And she said, hey, I want to let you know, one of the guys that you're interviewing, um, I used to be a teammate with at a church in Charlotte. So tell us a little bit about your time with Matt.
1: So uh, Matt and I worked together for about um, almost two years, and he's just a phenomenal guy. Not only um, does he have a passion for God and for people, but he also has a great sense of humor, humor. And I would say the one thing that stands out about me is he was not on our team very long when he was very intentional about helping create community on the team that we were part of. So, I am so excited for another opportunity to work alongside Matt.
0: It's really great. I approached Chris uh, as we were in the process and, and um, you know, said, is, you know, Would you like a teammate to, to, to work with that has a lot of experience? Because I think that we, we might be ready for this. And so um, Chris was just wholeheartedly behind this. And by the way, Chris is part time, but she's been working like double the amount of hours, and we could not double her pay. So, uh, so I think uh, we're very thankful for all the work that she's done, but already there's a synergy and an energy. And Matt, we're glad to have you, man. Thank you so much for joining on board. I want for Chris to pray, and then I'm going to pray over you. And by the way, they have two little ones, um, and yeah, they're little. Did you guys leave them at the hotel? Yeah, they're,
2: they're fine. Uh, they're, they're, they'll, be,
0: they'll be good. No worries, no worries. No, they're back at home. Uh, and they're moving here from the Charlotte area, Fort Mill. Um, and yeah, we're just glad to have you on staff. So Chris, why don't you pray a prayer over Matt and Liz this morning?
1: Dear Father, I just thank you so much for um, another opportunity to serve alongside Matt and that you brought him to our church, Lord. And Lord, I just ask that you would continue to give him great wisdom and discernment, that you would just be with him and Liz and you would bless their family and bless their ministry. In Jesus' name.
0: And Father, I thank you also for Matt and Liz. And God, I pray your blessing on them with this uh, uh, move and a young family. Father, I thank you that you ordered his steps and you ordered their steps to be here. And God, I pray that you would bless his ministry here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. I thank you for the experience that he has, the wisdom and discernment and intuition that he has. Uh, for adult discipleship and God connection. And I pray your blessing over him. And Father, I uh, just wait and look for great things from their ministry. I pray that you would be with them and provide their housing. God, you would provide every necessity as they begin over the process of these next few weeks to make this move. And thank you so much for Matt and for Liz. And I pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Man, thank you, Chris, so much. Thank you, Liz. We're so glad to have you. Why don't you give it up for... Chris and for Liz, who are going to walk off now. (laughs) I I wanted you to hear this morning from Matt right off the bat, and uh, just hear his heart um, for discipleship and for connections. And so, Matt, uh, I'm going to ask you a question that we probably ask during the interview process, right? It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, in yeah, hell, yeah, it's awesome, man. You're good. You're good. Uh, part of the reason I hired Matt too um, is because he he will preach for me every once in a while. And so I've got Justin and and Matt who can uh, not just fill in, uh, but they on their own um, have the ability to uh, to uh, bring God's word to us. And so I'm excited about that. Tell me, um, tell us a little bit about your experience. Uh, what makes you, you believe, a good candidate for this Connections pastor?
2: Yeah. So I actually think that God is wonderful. Like everything about him is super, super, super amazing and draws us to more and more and more of who he is. And I think one of the ways that God's wonder is revealed is through his people. And so you guys gather together in here, online, where you do life, like those are things that are drawing people To God in you and so I think getting to do that on a regular basis to say look at that that you look like Jesus right now everybody else around you is noticing it like that's a gift that you guys are going to get to give to one another to this community and little by little change the world right here in little tiny ways so I'm excited to get to do that uh, with 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 y'all and on this team
0: I love it. And one of the things you talked about in the process, uh, our interview process was that the wonder of God and uh, man, I love that concept, the wonder of God. And so uh, I love that. What your positions in the past, what is kind of oh, yeah, set you up? That part, yeah. I? You did a great job of answer, not answering the question. That's yeah. okay though. I'm going to be a good.
2: politician after this. It's fine. <laughs> tell, tell me, uh, tell
0: me uh, what, you know, what has readied you for this oh, type yeah. of position?
2: Yeah. So I, this is something that's been kind of in my heart for a long time. Um, So the first ministry job I had was with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, which is a ministry to college students. And mostly what I got to do was watch people in formative stages of their life, figure out who they are and who Jesus is, and then invite other people into that. And then I went to seminary. Uh, We went to Vancouver, British Columbia, which was awesome. Um, Vancouver is a little bit different because it's like 2% religious. And so the conversations that we would have with people were totally different. I got my MDiv there. And the thing that I learned in seminary was that God is wonderful in lots of different ways. Um, and the things that were about him, the more I learned, the more deeply I began to believe what I know have known to be true my whole life. Um, and then for the last five or six years, I was a pastor at the church where Chris and I used to work. Um, and my job there was to build community, to train up leaders, to build more community, to reach out to uh, the areas that we lived. Um, and then for the last year and a half, uh, two years, I got to spend time figuring out What the church is going to look like for the next decades to come Um, because we know it's different and it hit us faster than we expected and so to get to do that is and it's going to be fun to get to do that here
0: wow that's awesome and actually on that note because we're talking today about community over covid um, why is it so important for uh, believers to be plugged into christian community um, maybe even now more than ever why do you how do you see that why do you see that being of such great importance in the church
2: Yeah, so there's this guy who wrote a really important book about what it looks like as we become followers of Jesus. And one of the things that he says is that we are transformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. There's something about us moving towards Jesus and moving towards other people that changes them, that changes us, that changes the world and the face of eternity. Mm. And I think that's what community is. It's It can be superficial. And a lot of us have done superficial community, have been in superficial community. But when mm. we are moving towards Jesus, even if it's like micro acts of faithfulness, it changes us and it changes other people and it changes the world. So that, I think that's mm. really what community can do. And in this season, that's what we need. We need Uh, A little bit of wonder and hope to move Mm. towards more of Jesus.
0: Man, I love that. Matt, I'm so excited about having you on board. I'm very impressed that your mask matches your shirt. Did you guys pick up on that? So, anyway, I'm really impressed with that. Man, we're excited to have you on board, Matt Seidel. Why don't you give it up one more time for Matt and for Liz this morning? Glad to have you, man. Glad to have you, man. If you have your Bibles today, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Acts chapter 8. We're going to be in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 1, John 16, a few different places uh, today. And of course, I mentioned to you that the name of today's message is Community Over COVID. Uh, I'm, I kind of joked around that uh, this is a one-week uh, message series. It's not really a series then, right? So, uh, But I believe that this is important in the life of our church, um, uh, particularly now. But it's not just now. It's that we get the picture of Christian community that uh, we are to have over time, under normal circumstances, but maybe especially during these very trying days. When COVID started, I had the great prophecy and prediction that it would last two weeks. (laughs) I was like, this is going to be two weeks, March 15, March 16, we'll be done. We'll be back in services by April. We'll have Easter full house. We'll have five services. No, we weren't going to have five anyway. But uh, we would be back, and so, uh, prophet, I am not. This thing has lasted far longer than any of us thought. It's taken us further than we ever wanted to go. It's caused implications in our lives that we maybe never could have imagined or fathomed. And when we began this process of quarantine and when we began this process of our church's response to COVID-19, we used a mantra and the mantra or the statement, I guess, I probably shouldn't say mantra, was be responsible without being fearful. We are to be responsible without being fearful, and I love that, and we still are using that. We need to be responsible without being fearful, but as things kind of continued on and we realized that COVID might be with us for a while, the short-term crisis has become our long-term reality. And just maybe a month or more ago, um, in just my own private time with the Lord, um, I clearly heard him saying that this is no longer a situation that we can simply respond and react to. It's a reality which requires from us a longer-term response. An adjustment a nimbleness to be able to adjust so that we can continue to be the church so that we can continue to grow in our relationship with Christ as as Matt said so that we can continue to move forward with him and not backwards and so while we're not at all throwing the phrase be responsible without fear to the wind we as a church Both this church and the church, capital C, I believe, owe it to our people and to our church and to our world to have a a reality that this is something that is, and and have a responsibility to realize that this is something that is our reality. And so as we move forward, you're going to see a little bit more of a longer term kind of approach rather than just weeks, seasons, seasons of response to what's going on. see, church, it's not too late to retool. And I believe that perhaps one of the things that God is calling us to in in response to COVID-19 individually and as a church is um, definitely, uh, you know, repentance. But I also believe that part of the church's repentance is to realize that we for far too long have done things the way we've always done. We've kind of made an idol out of the way that we've always done things. We've made an idol out of that thing that just feels good because this is what we are supposed to do, and this is how we are supposed to do that. Well, if we're going to live with this for a few more weeks or months, or dare I say years, as everybody gets offline right now as I say that, um, We can pray for the end of COVID-19, which we're doing through hashtag pray843 at 843 every morning. We're praying for eight minutes for the end to COVID-19. And we can believe that, but we also need to retool. And perhaps what God is doing in the church is causing us to get outside of our comfort zone and do things differently. Crisis. Has affected us in the past. It has affected the church in the past. It's it's affected humanity in the past. Crisis is currently affecting us. It's affecting our lives. It's impacting our lives, and it will continue to affect us. It impacts our lives, it impacts our communities, and it impacts our churches. But we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised. If it wasn't COVID-19, it might have been something else at a different time. If it wasn't this pandemic, it might have been some kind of war. If it weren't a war, it might have been some kind of human crisis. Crisis will always come, and it shouldn't surprise us. Jesus talked about it. In John 16, he said, in this world you will have trouble, but look at the verse right before That verse, When he said uh, that I have overcome the world, he said, you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. But look at John 16, 32. He says, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered. I'm gonna come back to that word in a moment. He was talking about then, but I also believe that Jesus was talking about sometime later in the future. Each to his own home. And will leave me alone, yet I am not alone. The Father is with me. And so we shouldn't be surprised that crisis is affecting us, it has, and it, it is right now, and it always will affect us. There will always be something that impacts our lives and impacts our community and impacts our world and impacts the church. And the measure of a church, just like the measure of a man, is not how, uh, they, how what happens to them, but how they respond in the middle of crisis. The measure of us as a church is how we respond. And there's a situation that comes up in Acts chapter 8 that the church, I believe, responded to one of the very first crises that happened, but I want to point you back just a few chapters earlier to when the first church began to be established. And we read this passage a lot, and every time I read it I gain something new from it, but I want you to see that the very first church was forged and ready for the crisis because of community. Acts 2, through 46 says this, and all who believed were, say that next word with me, together. And they had everything in common. All who believed were together, and they had everything in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings. They were distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, verse 46 says, attending the temple... I want you to pay attention to that. We're going to come back to that in a moment. They were attending the temple together, and they were breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. I love pointing out that there in the first church, the common denominator was food. And here we are in 2020. And as far as church goes, the common denominator is always, right? It's always food, right? We, we love to eat together. See, the foundation of that first church was forged in community, and the environment that they met in was kind of a picture of how we meet today. And you see, this foundational passage in Scripture set the church up for what we still do today, and that is as we come together in a large group, or now maybe a medium-sized group or maybe even a smaller than medium-sized group and we worship together and we study together and we grow together and we fellowship together and that's what they were doing in the temple courts that's what those first group of christ followers were doing in the temple courts they were meeting together in a larger gathering coming together as a group to worship and to pray and to fellowship but it also says that they Not only attended the temple, but they were gathering and breaking bread together in their homes. And so you see that the church community was forged in large gatherings and in small gatherings. But then something happened. A crisis arose. It was a crisis that was fueled by a decision that the Acts chapter 8 says that Paul, who had been called Saul before he came to Christ, actually began. It was a crisis that he endorsed. As a man who was in charge of seeking out these followers of the way, these new Christians, and putting them to death and jailing them and making sure that they were stamped out and stomped out of culture, Saul put his stamp of approval on the very first martyr, the very first person who was killed for the cause of Christ. And we see it in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of his, this is Stephen, by the way, Stephen's execution. And I want you to see what happens because this is a crisis, not too dissimilar, maybe not in nature of the crisis itself, but in the impact of the crisis to what we're dealing with today. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all, what's that next word, scattered. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And you see what happened is, is the stoning of Stephen, Saul's stamp of approval on the stoning of Stephen and the act of stoning uh, Stephen's murder and, and martyrdom itself was the spark that began the widespread wildfire of the persecution of the first church. And years later, there was more persecution, and years later, there was more persecution. And as you go through church history, you have these moments where the church went through crisis after crisis after crisis. And in this particular moment of crisis, the church was scattered all through the region. And so they no longer could meet together in the temple courts, they no longer could meet together in homes necessarily. They were in crisis because the thing that they were forged in at the beginning, they couldn't do. There wasn't a temple to go to in some of the places that they were scattered. Maybe they could meet together in homes, but they had to do it in secret. By the way, like many people around the world are doing today, be praying for churches in other countries where they're facing this type of persecution today. So we see the church scattered, but here's the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. The church survived, did it not? Here we are today, to year 2020. This was just a few years into the first century, and here we are today. The church survived, and the church not only survived, but the church And my question is, how are we, in response to COVID-19, putting community over COVID, how are we, church, going to thrive in the middle of this crisis? And I believe that it's by getting back to some of these basic elements of community that we see in the first church. They were forged in their community, and that community set them up for success in the future. And right now, I want you to hear this, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in this room. I know that these past five months, by the way, do you realize it's five months? Do I have that right? Five months almost to the day. It was actually to the day. It was March 16th. I'm doing my math correctly. It is five months. I'm not good at math, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Five months to the day that we've been in some kind of quarantine or at least had these kind of crazy rules, and I'm thankful that we live where we live, where there's a lot more you know, freedom to do what we're doing and that sort of thing, and, and I'm so proud of you who are here today. You guys are wearing your masks. You're doing the right thing. You're, you're, you're like being a part of us moving forward as a church but how in the world are we going to move forward? How are we gonna forge community in the midst of this crisis? I, I, wanna, I wanna suggest three things that I believe that we are gonna have to do to grow together in community. Y- yes, it's been very difficult to, to be on Zoom. Right, I get a lot of you. Uh, you know, continued to connect with your small group and in community through Zoom. And some of you are like, I did it for a while, and then I just was zoomed out, not zoned out anymore. We're zoomed out, like. And then some of you just are like continuing it, and that's awesome. But it's not the same, is it? <laughs> it's just not the same. So I think the recipe is is the three things. First and foremost, responsibility without fear means first be responsible and we have to, as people, we have to regulate our risk. We have to decide how much we can and are willing to risk ourselves to be in community. Some of you decided, those of you who are here today, that you're willing to take the risk to be here. That's great. Some of you who are watching online decided that you wouldn't take the risk and that's fine. There should be no judgment either way, by the way, right? Should not be judgment on our part. Either way, everyone has to decide what they wanna do. Some of you who are here today decided you would regulate your risk and, and you decided you would take on the risk by being here or maybe you just wanted to see people for once, <laughs> which I get. Maybe those of you who stayed online, you're like, hey, this waffles and coffee thing is just too great. I'm just gonna stay online for a while. I get that too. But we have to decide how much risk are we willing to, to partake in to expose ourselves. Those of you who have health struggles and have underlying health issues you definitely need to regulate your risk and you need to protect yourself those of you who who may be sick maybe need to regulate your risks and help others you have to determine that we have to first and foremost regulate our risk we as a church have decided that after labor day as we kick off groups that we're going to be doing things a lot differently than we have before. We want you to be a part of groups. We want you to connect with this vital community that we see the first church being forged by and forged in so that they could survive and thrive during crisis. But it's essential that we we do it in a safe way, right? So we've decided that um, it's probably a good idea to have our groups for the foreseeable future be smaller than they have been in the past. In the past, we've said 12, and we've allowed up to, you know, 20, and some of you have been in a group that is like a small church. (laughs) It's been way more than 20, which is great, which is awesome, but we are going to be encouraging smaller groups moving forward. We've said that smaller is safer. Smaller is safer. So you might be involved in a group that doesn't have 12 people. Uh, You might not be involved in a group that has even 10 people. You might be in a group where you have kind of decided that it's a few people who gather together in a group because you want to regulate your risk. And the second thing, the second part of the recipe is that we have to build our bubble. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm, a, I'm a sports guy. I'm a sports nut. I, I love um, that we're kind of getting back into sports. I think it's hilarious to watch the cardboard cutouts in, in, the, uh, yeah, in baseball. In Major League Baseball, it's really funny to me. But then there was part of me that's like, I'm an Atlanta Braves fan. Maybe I need to get my face down the first baseline. But I decided not to do that. But anyway, I, the sports teams are all talking about staying together in a bubble, and I know some of them are staying at the same hotel and they're, they're kind of creating a bubble around us. And as a pastor of a church whose mission is to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and to lead people to follow him and who by our very nature and character, we are an evangelical church unapologetically spreading the good news of Jesus. It is hard for me to stand up here and even say, I want you to build your bubble because that sounds so inward thinking. You know what I'm talking about church? That just seems to go against everything that we want to do. But I tell you that right now this is the time for us to share the good news with Jesus and for the world to see us being in community, even if it means that it's smaller community groups. Smaller, small groups, if you will. It's important that we do this in a way that's safe. And so smaller is safer. We're going to be trying in-person, some in-person groups that meet outside, um, that meet, you know, in in driveways and on back patios and that sort of thing. We're going to be trying some things here on campus. We're opening up the community center for our groups as long as everything uh, is is available uh, for one group, uh, you know, and we've got limits there, but we are asking for you as well to build your bubble. There's a great story. Um, Actually, Matt shared this with me. Great story from one of the outbreaks of the bubonic plague, Black Death, the Black Plague. Um, And it bubbled up. (laughs) That's kind of a funny statement right there, sorry. Uh, It kind of rose up at different points in time from the 8th century on. And one of the times that it rose up was in the 1700s in London. And there was a tailor in a little village by the name of Im. And in Eam, this tailor had ordered some clothing that he, or some material that he was going to make clothing out from London, and when he opened it up, it had this disease. And very quickly, over the course of the next week and month, and over the course of 14 months, it ended up killing half the village of Eam. And the man who was the pastor in this village decided to, to help the towns and the villages in surrounding areas. It was so bad in him that he decided to talk the people of him into creating a bubble around them, not so that there wouldn't be any more disease coming into their village, but so that the disease would not leave the village and affect others and the whole village, the whole town made the decision that they would sacrifice themselves to keep this disease inside the walls of this village. And in doing so, they actually placed boundary stones around the village of Eum. And the story goes that if they needed food, or they needed materials to live on, if they needed the things for the sustenance of life, they would take their coins and clean them with vinegar, and they would leave their coins on the stone, these boundary stones that surrounded Eam, and people of Sheffield and other, uh, I think Stony Bridge is the the name of the other one, would come to these boundary stones and they would take the money and they would leave them food, and they would leave them the necessities of life. And while our situation isn't that desperate at all, it gives a great picture of I think how we have to respond to the reality of the crisis we're in. As much as I don't love it, we have to build bubbles of smaller groups so that we as Christ followers continue the process of that first church of what we saw in Acts chapter two of sharing together, of, of growing together, of, of living together, of caring for each other together. And so not only do we have to regulate our risk and not only do we have to build our bubble, but lastly, listen, church, I want you to hear this. We have to, as a church, commit to community. We have to commit to community. If you and I make the decision that During the period of time, during the pandemic, we can't stand Zoom and we're not going to do the online thing. And we don't like, you know, meeting outside because it's too hot. I fall into that category. I'm ready for fall. If we we decide that we're going to use all of these things as excuses to not be involved in Christian community, we will die as believers because we were not intended to live life in isolation. Found that out for two months, didn't we? Earlier this year. We weren't made to be alone. We were made to share with each other in community. And so we have to commit that we are not going to do it alone, that we've got to share in our journey and we've got to make a strategic decision to engage in some type of group. See, we've got to be committed to community when it's easy, but also when it's more difficult. We've got to, we've got to decide that we're going to be in community no matter what, because listen, that is the church more than this is the church. This is an aspect of the church. This is our worship gathering. And yes, it's important, but what is vital is for you all to be sharing what God is doing in your life with other believers. That's why Chris and Matt are gonna be doing the job that they're doing. And it's going to look wildly different. Early on in this process, I was talking to someone and I said, well, uh, you know, we were talking about a particular aspect of our response, not the churches, but community response to this. I said, well, h- how are we going to do this? This is back in April. We, we still didn't know a whole lot. And, and the person responded to me, well, we're, we're kind of flying the plane and building it at the same time. <laughs> you don't want to hear that from a pilot, but it's okay that you're hearing it from your pastor, okay? So um, we're going to be building groups that are, that are safe we're going to be building groups that you can grow in, you can share the Christian life in. You can study God's word and that you can pray together with, but church, we have to be committed to it. We have to be committed to it. See in a in community, we accomplish the mission of the church, and your groups, we're going to encourage you to find ways to safely serve our community. It's a large part of the way that we're gonna serve, at least for the foreseeable future, at least through the end of this calendar year. In community, we accomplished the mission of the church, even during crisis. The persecution of the first church did not deter them from their mission. And because they weren't deterred from their mission, I want you to get the picture of what happened after Saul started persecuting the church, because just three verses later, in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, here's what we see. Now those who were scattered, in Acts 8, verse 4, now those who were scattered, they went about preaching the word. See, church, the Bible tells us, Jesus told us, that on this rock, he will build his church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that includes COVID-19. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. But we, God's people, have to be committed to it. What a great testimony it'll be if One day someone says about us what they said about some of the first church leaders in Acts chapter 17, verse 6. And when they couldn't find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other brothers before the city authorities. Shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. See, the group of the people that made up the first church, though they were imprisoned, they were committed to community. Though they were persecuted, they were committed to community. Though they were told they couldn't go into this area and that area and preach the gospel, they were committed to community. Though they were told that they couldn't do this and that and this other thing, they were committed to community. In church, we as a church are... We're going to take action. We're going to legally, within the bounds of the law and the ordinances that are set up, we as a church are going to be involved in growing with other believers. It's vital to your life, and it's vital to others' lives. And as Matt shared, it shows the world, it shows the world a little bit of the wonder of God, and the amazing salvation of His Son. Jesus. So here's what I'm asking you to do when you consider what it means to regulate your risk and build your bubble and be committed to community. I want to ask you to do one of two things. And for some of you, this may mean both. First and foremost the action step is there are some of you who need to find a group. For you, it's all about finding a group to be involved with. And so we are going to ask you to consider what it means to get involved in a group. And so we wanna ask you whether you're here in this room or whether you're uh, out there watching after the fact or right now live online to text the word groups to the number that's shown on the screen, 843-241-9800. But here's the thing, if we're gonna be smaller in numbers as groups, we're gonna need more people to host. And Chris and Matt, are committed to making that as easy and painless as possible. For some of you, it might be just a Zoom group. For some of you, it might be an in-person group where you do that safely. For others, it might be some sort of hybrid group. But we are going to need people to just host a group. That's what a lot of these first believers did. They just hosted a group. They were together, not leading with all of their theological, biblical knowledge, they didn't have all the tools we have today, but they were willing to be available. And so if you are willing and interested in helping by hosting a group this fall after Labor Day, I wanna encourage you to text the word host to 843 241 Now by texting either group to find a group or host to host a group, it doesn't mean that you're committing to a group. We wouldn't do that to you, I promise. Hey, we got all these hosts, they're done, they're hosts. Like we wouldn't do that to you, I promise. It's just to get more information, and Chris and Matt can follow up and be back in touch with you, and talk to you about what that means. Church, we can look at the crisis that's going on and say that it's going to limit us. When we received word that uh, I think it was on July first that everyone had to wear masks in a in a, a, you know private space, I realized commercial private space. Um, I, I viewed that as as like. Th- the freedom that we needed to actually get back to worshiping together safely. That's the why I viewed that. And yes, I don't like it. It's not, whole, it's not a whole lot of fun to, to put these on, but you know what? It allowed us to be able to get back together in worship. Those of you who are um, parents of um, someone who's a teenager or maybe even um, elementary school age, by the way, we're continuing our search for a kid's pastor. We haven't stopped that just because we got Matt, who was a candidate, but not for that position. Uh, We are continuing to look for um, that position. But we also know that, um, you know, we need to do some things now for your kids. And Justin and Dion and his team, their team, are doing a great job of putting some stuff together. There's so much to be excited about in the midst of this crisis. If we view this as this is limiting, then we will be limited. But if we view it as this is our time, and it's our day, and it's our hour, then we will be amazed to see what God will do. I want to encourage you, church, to take action, to text groups, or to text the the word host to that number, and be a part of what it means to be the church, to have community. Over COVID. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you that your promise to build your church on this rock and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it has been true for all of these years, for all of these decades, and for all of these centuries. And come wars and come famine and come uprisings, and come uh, a crisis in communities and among culture. Come freedom and imprisonment, and come disease or come health. Your church has prevailed, and that is a declaration of your glory. And Father, we thank you for the bride of Christ. We thank you for the church. And Father, may we, Hilton Head Island Community Church, be prompted to to really take a look at where we are individually. Maybe we can help be a part of the solution and not the problem. So over the course of these next months together, at least for these next five to six months to finish out this year, God, I pray your blessing over everyone who seeks to find a group, for everyone who seeks to be a host, God, I pray that you would use these communities for your glory to proclaim your salvation so that the ministry of the church can continue because we decided to put community over COVID. Would you bless our efforts so that you receive the glory? In Jesus' name, I pray, and all God's people said, amen.